Hello, welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Stan Fowler, uh, Professor Emeritus at Heritage Seminary, uh, where I graduated from back in the day, or before the day. (laughs) uh, And that's actually relevant to our conversation. And I'm Bob McGregor from Grandview Church here in Kitchener, and this is Thinking About It. Stan, last time we met, we uh, got into a conversation that we couldn't quite finish so we just kind of ended it and the, the idea that we would carry it on today. And that is uh, how we have not been faithful as a movement to uh, teaching the whole counsel of God's word, which includes the second coming. We gave reasons historically why um, many of us have just kind of looked for other things to teach about that are edifying. But there's been a price that we've paid for neglecting the second coming. Oh, definitely. I mean, we, we've lost uh, we've lost the focus on the heart of Christian hope. Um, a, a related idea that I've often wondered about is why in um, in evangelical Christian circles do I attend funeral services where there's no reference to the resurrection of the body at the second coming of Christ? And the focus falls on the intermediate state, absent from the body, present with the Lord, which is true, but is not the heart of Christian hope. First Thessalonians 4, Paul, Paul writes to believers who've lost some fellow believers to death, and he says, I want you to, not to grieve like those who have no hope, while the hope he gives them is Jesus is going to return, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So, I, I've, I've concluded that one of the reasons why we often uh, don't talk the way we ought to about the hope of resurrection of the body at the return of Christ is that we, we don't talk about the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we think of this age and we think of life after death, but we don't think of life after life after death. So it's, that's just one example of, of some very important truths that are lost if we don't talk about the second coming. But, but as you and I recognized in our last conversation, what, one of the challenges is Christians differ in their understanding of how we rightly read the Bible about the second coming of Christ and related events. In particular, how does the second coming relate to that thousand-year period spoken of in Revelation 20, the millennium? And... Are there one or two stages in the second coming? In other words, is there a, pre, a coming of Christ prior to the final tribulation for the church distinct from his second coming to the earth in glory after that final tribulation? You so, need to say the word, Stan. I know it's hard for you to get it out, but it's rapture. That's okay, I'll say the rapture. <laughs> okay. Well, you see, no, see there in... In, I mean, the term rapture actually comes from the Latin rapto in, in, in the Latin translation of First Thessalonians 4, about we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured. But so everyone believes that at the second coming of Christ, those who are still alive will be caught up, will be raptured to meet him in the air. But typically when people talk about the rapture, they mean a distinct event, right. uh, which happens before the final tribulation. 
So when when people say, oh, do you believe in the rapture? Well, I have to ask, well, tell me how you define that. So in, the, in this just little example, um, you were a little bit reluctant to use that term because of all the baggage that's surrounding it. And I think that's that's part of the bigger problem. I know I face that because I'll just avoid something um, because I want to edify the church. I want to unify the church. And I, and I know that the second coming is a unifying doctrine, but everything that is attached to it has a tendency to um, just distract us at the very least and divide us at the worst. And so we got to find a way to um, speak about the second coming of Christ and Everything that Jesus said about the second coming, the, uh, the warnings, the descriptions of the earth, and, and why, why is that even there, Stan, in your opinion? Uh, why does uh, Jesus have to describe the conditions of the world at the time of the second coming, the, this, this, these tribulation events, and then Revelation uh, deals with that? What's, what do you think the point is for all of that? Well, I think part of it is, is to say to God's people, um, you are going to experience these kinds of things in this age. And, and, I mean, Christ is saying, even if I'm exalted in heaven, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me, I'm, I'm reigning in heaven in a providential way over this age, that doesn't mean that everything is immediately going to be good and, and blessed and happy. And, and, and so, and it does provide a way for us to say, well, okay, um, as I look at the events of this world, I mean, does it appear that Christ was accurate in, we, in what he predicted would be the course of this age? Well, yes, it does. And, and so it, it gives us further reason to believe just as he was right about that, so he's right about his promise to return. Now, how specific are those predictions? That's something we have to wrestle with. Um, if you look at for example, the what's said in what we call the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, parallel texts. Um, you, you've got a lot of interpretive difficulties. You have, um, they have the whole question of how much of this is about events leading up to A.D. 70 and the fall of Jerusalem, how much of it looks ahead to the actual end of the age. And, and good interpreters differ on that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that in, in the early verses there, Jesus talks about how you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. You're going to hear about bad things happening on the earth. But he says, the end is not yet. In other words, when you see a whole lot of warfare, that doesn't mean the end of the age has come. That's going to happen throughout this age. So we need to guard against being overly specific um, and, I mean, you and I, we talked in the last conversation about the mistake of, of reading today's newspaper and saying, okay, there's the fulfillment. Now, now we're at the end of the age. Now, an increasing parallel between what we see in the world around us and the kind of things the Lord says about the progress of the age may indeed strengthen our hope that his second coming is very near. So when I was at... London Baptist Seminary in the day when it was by definition premillennial, dispensational, pre-rapture, all of that, right? Yeah. Um, and there was division back in those days. Uh, things were said uh, about 
your school, Central Baptist Seminary, that were not that charitable. And this, these were, this was a battleground. We threw grenades over the hill at each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I just want to say, Stan, I always appreciated the fact that uh, while there was this disunity in our fellowship, uh, you were always at our pastor's conferences. And I remember as a young guy sitting down with you, I'd, ha- I'd have my, my shirt on, London Baptist Seminary, and quite proud of the, everything that was true. And, and, and I would speak to the guy in the other fence, yourself, and you would often just exp- you would listen to me, you would respect me, um, you would love me. And I just always remember how helpful you were in those days and you were available to everybody and uh, it just was a blessing I know you continue to be that but I'm so grateful that uh, there is a blessed unity in our movement but the problem we're talking about right now is that the the unity might have been at the expense of some precious doctrine like the second coming of Christ and that's been a concern of mine for a long time Bob Mm -hmm. I mean, as I mentioned in our last conversation, I'm a refugee in Canada. I, I left the USA. I left where I was in a very happy pastoral ministry, but our denomination tightened up its statement of faith with regard to the rapture, which put me in an ethical dilemma. And it's a long but fascinating story in many ways about how God brought me. It should be in your brought, book. Brought me to Canada. I should, I should write it up. I really should. Um, and so, from the beginning, I mean, I valued the freedom here. But, but also, frankly, from the beginning, I began to recognize I, I, I may be experiencing a freedom to think and speak and write and, you know, about the second coming and the related events um, because we, we've said, well, it's just it's not important to think about those details. So, for example, well, there, there's a debate about the millennium of Revelation 20. And is that before the second coming or after the second coming? Is it, is it a real extended period of time or is it a reference to what's happening now in the intermediate state? At, on, on and on. And, I mean, that, that difference of opinion has existed throughout the history of the church, actually. In the second century... <laughs> There's this fascinating place where, where Justin Martyr says, I and all those who are right-minded on all points believe that after the return of Christ, he will reign for a thousand years in Jerusalem. But he recognized there were other genuine believers who didn't understand the book of Revelation that way. But if uh, my experience is, if if we say, okay, we, we don't yet agree on all the details, so we just won't talk about the details, we won't think about it, then we cease thinking about the second coming, and that's bad. Okay, for instance, I, I am very interested in what I see in the world today. I, I, it just seems to me there's a trend that's going somewhere. Um, globalism is a thing. Uh, the COVID virus has brought the world together in, in a way that I don't think it's ever been united before. And, I'm, and as, as I read scripture, I expect to see the kingdom of darkness grow stronger and stronger. There will be a, a, a world order. Um, the mark of the beast is, is a thing, um, 666, whatever that is. It's something that is, is mm-hmm. mentioned. And so I, uh, 
I look at the events of the world today, and I was taught in seminary to think generically about these events so that um, prophecy is fulfilled generically. Uh, The day of the Lord in uh, the Minor Prophets was uh, a prediction of uh, the day of the Lord ultimately, but it would come generically in that there was great calamity that God's people experienced in real time. And um, yet it wasn't the ultimate fulfilling of the day of the Lord. It was yet future. Mm -hmm. And it had a a tendency to um, sharpen the sensitivities of God's people uh, to the end and to be ready for it and to look differently at at your present reality. And so I want to go there. I want to look at today's events and say, you know, this is a, a fulfillment generically of what the scripture says about the second coming of Christ. It may not be the ultimate, but it might be. And we need to be ready nevertheless. That's where I want to go, but I'm, I'm afraid if I open that door up, um, people will box me in to say, well, I am saying that these are the ultimate events of the last day. Well, that is a real challenge, isn't it? Um, I mean, here, here's here's one possibility. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the whole fact of globalism. And and we really are a global village, and we're learning it in new ways. And the coronavirus has um, uh, accelerated that in many ways because the whole planet Earth is is dealing with this reality. One one of the ways that may play into our thinking is Scripture, I, I think, does envision at the end of this age a um, a ruler of the world, whom we tend to call Antichrist, the, the first beast of Revelation Man 13. Man of sin, man of lawlessness. Right. So, so there is this recognition that, that somehow the whole world will really be divided into, into two camps, the, those who follow Antichrist, those who follow Christ. And, and a lot of people may look at that and say, I mean, really? I mean, the whole world? under one ruler? I mean, that seems pretty far-fetched. But when you look at the realities of life in our world and, and the increasing globalism and, and the severity of the challenges that, that our leaders face in, in all nations, when you look at the issues of, of war and nuclear war, when, when you think about Kim Jong-un testing nuclear missiles, for example, um, and you ask, really, do I want Donald Trump dealing with Kim Jong-un? When, when, when you think about the problems facing the world, I think it's easy to see if some guy appeared mm-hmm. who really seemed to have the answers to the coronavirus, to peace in the Middle East, um, to disarmament, nuclear disarmament, and so on, it's easy to see why the world would say, great, that's what we need. So it would be a way of saying to people, look, history is providing a context in which everything could move, perhaps fairly quickly, toward that. Now, if, if you fall into the trap of saying, and that leader is whomever, well, there you have a problem. Uh, because they're, they're, they're as, as John says in First John 2, there, there are many antichrists mm-hmm. 
presaging the final but Antichrist. But one of them will be real. But one of them will be the final Antichrist. Mm-hmm. We can't, with dogmatism, say, well, there he is. When he does appear, mm, it may become pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But, but you can talk about the unfolding nature of history in a way that says it does seem to be setting the stage Right, but the but the emphasis, or and the emphasis of that teaching, is not so much insight into all these events, but it's it's spiritual, it's it's the holiness, it's um, zeal, work for the in the day. The night is coming when no one can work, and so um, I think that's why we need the teaching on the second coming. It motivates us to do the work that we need to do. There's a there's an urgency about the second coming that uh, we don't really have like we need today I, I agree and so we need to be willing to talk about it we can admit you know good people differ in how they put the bible together and the way in terms of the way the details fit but all of us all of us are looking for the lord to return from heaven to judge the whole world to give the righteous verdict on history to raise the dead to, to finish the work of salvation in us, mm-hmm. as John puts it in 1 John 3. We'll, we, when Amen. we see him, we'll be like him. Even so come, Lord Jesus. We, that's a message that we desperately want and need to hear today. These are, the, these are the right days for that message. Well, we are out of time. Yet again. Speaking of time, and uh, we'll see how we... Uh, think about this the next time we gather. Uh, I know as a pastor of a church, I'm thinking about how to um, just orient my preaching, the ethos of our church to the second coming for the very reasons that we've talked about. I'm Bob McGregor from Grandview Baptist Church. And I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for thinking with us together. Keep on thinking. (laughs) Bye-bye. (laughs) 